Hello, hello, hello. It's that time again. It is. All right, so um, I'm Sian. I'm JH. And uh, we're going to be talking about a couple of things that when it comes to selling houses, it does get very confusing for people who aren't aren't within the area, like finance, real estate, like, you know, so... Well, it's, at the end of the day, there's there's six different methods of sale in Australia. So mm. we're, we're going to list those off and give a brief explanation on, on what each of the different methods of sale in Australia are. And, and I'm going to be asking those questions that some people are too afraid to ask. This is going to be fun. Well, I mean, let's be honest. There's last, sometimes, last. sometimes people don't like asking questions in fear that they're going to look stupid. So they just sit there and go, I mean, yeah, that's right. Fair. That's fair. So I'm going to be asking those questions because, mm-hmm. you know... More knowledge. Why not? Why not? Yeah. But before we do that, I reckon we need a, a, a quick word from our sponsors because they're paying for the whole show. Ready to sell your home? Don't make the rookie mistake of jumping in blind. The first step on your journey is critical. Research. You need to know what your house is really worth to get the best deal. And that's where checkmyhouseprice.com.au comes in. With a free house price report, you'll get all the juicy market intel, recent sales data, and other must-have info to help you win big when selling your home. Don't gamble on your home's worth. Make checkmyhouseprice.com.au the first step in your successful selling journey. Visit us today and get your free house price report. Okay, JH. Yes. Selling methods. We have yes. six of them. Yeah, we like to do things difficult in Australia. Yeah. yeah. So let's, let's just list them off so that people know. So okay. we have auction, we yes. have private treaty. Yes. We have tender. Yes. We have EOI, which is expression of interest. Yes. We have digital offers. Yes. We have hybrid sale. Yes. Just okay. to make things even more confusing. Okay. Yeah. Because I know for a fact that there has been explanations on two of those where you're looking at me going, it's really simple. And I'm still sitting there going, <laughs> is it though? Look, in, in, in all fairness though, I've been working in this space for, for a long time. Yes. Um, and, and I'm you know, responsible for one of the companies in the digital office space. So I may take for granted a little bit of knowledge there. And may? think it's obvious and maybe it's not. So this will this will be really good for me too. Okay. Because, you know, I am a mere mortal um, who has worked in customer service and logistics and insurance. And so real estate, I, I'm new to this, so to speak. A mere mortal who you know, runs a household of, of six people with blended family, four kids, runs, uh, assists and, and runs multiple businesses and things like that. Yeah, mere mortal indeed. Look, you can't give away the fact that I am a superhero. We can't do that. You know what you're getting yeah, for your I'm birthday. Yeah, I'm busted now. Yeah, you know, you know what you're getting for your birthday. I'm getting you a cape. <laughs> All right, so auction. Mm-hmm. Uh, Let's just pretend that no one knows what it is. Yeah, sure. So, look, an auction, and this is a really good one because I, uh, a friend of ours, uh, Cassie, 
uh, asked about this recently. So shout out to Cassie. Um, because they're, they're looking at a property that is going to auction. Mm-hmm. And so essentially an auction is a timed bidding process where every single bid that you make is effectively an unconditional offer. At the end of the auction, the highest bidder wins mm-hmm. and is then legally obligated to purchase the property. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's unconditional. And unless otherwise specified, it's unconditional. So if the hammer falls, the auctioneer does their, their theatrics and everything like that and is going once, going twice, going three times, sold, and you're the highest bidder, you're now, you've legally agreed to buy that property. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So there's no conditions. There's no 14 days waiting period for finance or building and pest inspections. All that stuff you've got to have done prior. You're an uh, what we call an unconditional buyer or a cash buyer. So basically you've either got your finance locked in and it's so secure you're willing to go and, and make an offer on a property where it's it's a case of the hammer falls and you own it. Yeah. Um, or you're a cash buyer and you're cashed up and you're able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Right, okay. So yeah. quickly on that, properties do sell prior to auction through private treaty negotiation process. And we'll get to that. And they also sell after auction if they get passed in. So if they don't sell at auction, a thing kind of becomes a private treaty negotiation okay, this process. This is where I'm going to ask a question. Yes. What does passed in means when you're talking right. about auction? So essentially during an auction typically a reserve price will be met. And what that means is that that's the price that has to be reached for the property to actually sell. It's the Mm -hmm. minimum price that has to be reached for the property to sell. So quite often in an auction process, when the reserve price is met, you'll hear the auctioneer say, we're on the market. So on the market means this property is now past reserve and it's going to sell. Right. Okay. Um, But if it doesn't meet that reserve then it doesn't sell at auction, it gets passed in and that's where negotiation happens, that's where conditions start to come in. Hey, I need you know 14 days finance clause, I want a building and pest clause. Yeah. All that sort of negotiation, which is very much a private treaty negotiation, yeah. comes into play. But that cannot happen during the theatrics of the auction where it's, you know, I'm looking for 150,000, I'm looking for 200, 250 here, 300 there, 350 there, 400, 400, 500, 500, let's go. Yeah. You know, that you can't, put those conditions in. While that auction is happening, it's in any bid you make, unless otherwise specified by the real estate agents and the auctioneers in the contract, Yeah, any bid you make is effectively an unconditional offer. You're basically saying, I've got the cash in my pocket, whether it's the bank's money or yours, it doesn't matter. But as soon as that hammer falls, you're, you're handing over a deposit within a set period of time, usually 24 to 48 hours. Yeah, um, And then you're completing the rest of the purchase price within another set period of time that's fairly short. But it's you've bought the house. You're immediately unconditional. Right. Okay. So you touched on private treaty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Explain that. Sorry, I'm just having a sip of a drink away from the microphone. So a private treaty is, it's the most common form of sale in Australia, particularly in residential real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, and effectively, it's a, a one-to-one negotiation, yeah. right? So a buyer will come in and make an offer, and the real estate agent will take that offer and take it back to their seller, and the seller will then give instructions back to the real estate agent and say, hey, look, I don't like that offer. Can you get it up? The agent will come back to the buyer and say, hey, look, we're not quite where we need to be. I need you to come up a little bit more. Can you give us a bit more? Let me go back. You know, And maybe the seller counters. Maybe the seller says to the agent, hey, counter, go back at, you know, hypothetically, let's say we're talking $700,000 property. It's on for, you know, um, Mm 700,000 as a price. And the the buyers come in and offer 650. Yeah. The sellers go back and go, that's way too low. We want it to be, at, and they they might say to their agent, the minimum we'll accept is six eighty five. Go back and tell them six ninety five. Yeah, right. And it's it's a back and forth. It's kind of a, an exploratory exercise of negotiation. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it's it's about figuring out where that price is. The sellers are willing to let it go for it. The buyers are willing to pay. So that's pretty much a typical sale. It's a typical sale. Yeah. I think from memory, and don't quote me on this, but off the top of my head, 84% of sales in Australia follow that process. Yeah. Uh, so the next one is tender. Mm. And we're not talking about By the way, sorry, on, on private private treaty, you can also have conditions. So you in private treaty negotiation, before we move on to tender, you can stipulate conditions. So that's where you can say, hey, I want 14 days to get finance approved. So this, my offer is pending my finance being approved or pending a building and pest report yeah. being passed or pending what's a sunset clause. So there's all sorts of different clauses. You can have clauses that say, I'll give you 695000 for that property, mm-hmm. but I'll only give it to you when my house sells. Yes, right. Right? But the seller can also put other clauses in that say things like, not a problem, I'll accept your offer, but if between now and when your house sells, I get a better offer, I can choose that better offer. Right. So what is a sunset clause? Now that you touched on that, I've never heard of that. Now, you know what? I've I've got to look it up again because it's been that long since I've I've used one. Um, It's it's been... Oh, crikey. It's been... Uh, he's reading, so that's no, reading. no, 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 no. I've already, I've read quickly and refreshed my memory. I was just thinking about how long it's been. It's been, it's been ten years easy since I've used one. But a sunset clause is effectively where you can sit there and go, this contract's valid for a certain period of time. So, right. if if you were to say, hey, this offer's six ninety five, mm. right? But it's only valid if you can complete this contract by this date. Yeah. Okay. Right, so the moment that date hits and the contract cannot be completed for whatever reason, contract's now null and void. Right, okay. Okay, so going on to the chicken nuggets. Chicken nuggets, the old tender. The old tender. Yeah. Look, a tender, I mean, the, the best definition I can give you is actually the proper di- dictionary definition of, of a tender in terms of real estate. And it's a process where potential buyers submit a sealed bid and the highest bid wins the property. Right, so the method's typically used for unique or high-end properties. Mm-hmm. Um, it's often used for government contracts, not related to real estate, but if you've ever sort of dealt with government or been in government, you probably understand the tender process fairly well. Um, but typically speaking, they use it for unique properties. It is a sealed bid process. Yeah. Um, and the, basically, the it's not always the case that the highest bid gets accepted. Mm-hmm. It's often the best bid with the best terms. So it might be a lower dollar figure, but the terms are significantly better. Yeah, yeah. right. Okay. And so EOI, I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of people out there that have even seen on realestate.com. How much do we I, love expressions of interest on real estate? You're looking at the price thing, it says expressions of interest. Doesn't that just make you want to well, rage out? I, I have worked for the federal government and I know when someone says or when they list an employment opportunity as EOI, that's literally you're putting in a, your, your resume goes into a pool and it's essentially like a lucky dip to see as to who has what. And well, I wouldn't go, I mean, it's not so a lucky dip. They're looking not for lucky who's dip, the best person. But who's the best right? person. They want to see who's interested. And That's who's right. got the best resume? Or in the case of real estate, it's, hey, Who show us who's interested. Who's got the best offer? So it's very much like a tender process, but typically it's got a longer deadline on it, right? So it's a yeah. bit of a longer process. And typically speaking, it's more used in commercial property, right? I've seen a lot of it done in yeah, real estate. Um, sorry, in residential. And it yeah. is 
frustrating. It is. And, and I think, like, when you start to ask questions, you find that they're not really following a typical EOI process. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's more phishing. It, yeah. Because they don't know how to price it. Essentially, they either don't know how to price it or it's an incredibly unique property, which links back to they don't know how to price it or the vendor's testing the market. So the seller's testing the market and is wanting to kind of figure out what the market's willing to pay before they decide whether or not they're willing to actually sell the property. That's that's my feeling on it. Mm. I have, went like back, going back, so what are we now? We're going back 10 years mm. to when I was an agent. I never used EOI. Yeah. Um, I, I found that you know, being upfront with pricing. And even if it was a case of, you know what, it's offers over this amount. Yeah. Um, as long as I was within, you know, sort of 50,000 of that offers over or 10%, depending on which state you're in and what the laws are, yeah. you've always got to follow legislation. Uh, I found that was a far more effective way than going, hey, marketplace, tell me what it's worth or what you think it's worth. And, and then we'll go from there. Because they're always right. going to tell you less than what they actually think it's worth too. Like if you're a buyer out there, when was the last time you actually went in and said to a real estate agent, you know what, I think it's worth this and you were telling the truth. Right. Okay. So next one. Yes. Digital offers. I love digital offers. Digital offers and, are the way it should be. And look, I know that there's a lot of people going, uh, that means that it's done online. Totally understand that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, look, but it's it's so much better. Um, look, I'm biased, and and I I'm allowed to be biased. I I'm involved in a company that is a digital offer platform, and we've built an incredible digital offer platform. It's called MarketBuy, uh, MarketBuy.com.au. Check it out. But it essentially the reason I love digital offers, and the reason I actually got involved in the digital offer space was because of the transparency it brings. So it it removes the roadblocks to making offers if you think about um you know the last time you had to make an offer on property chances are you either had to have a real estate agent come to your house or you had to go into their office you spent 20 minutes filling out paperwork and everything like that which drove you mental um it was a high pressure environment you're probably if you're in their office you're probably sitting in a hot box kind of scenario across the table and it's a very adversarial kind of heavy negotiation and, and, you know, there's potentially back and forth, there's a lot of pressure, all this sort of stuff, right? And it doesn't need to be that. Mm. It doesn't need to be. The, the insane thing is it doesn't need to be that because what we've found, and we've got the data to back this up, is if you remove the roadblocks, you provide transparency so that they know, like they can see if there's other offers that have been made. Now, you can choose whether or not those other offers are actually revealed, Mm-hmm. All right, because and and the, the the laws differ state to state, but typically speaking, so long as all buyers and sellers agree, you can have whatever degree of transparency you want. Yeah, within privacy legislation. Yeah, but you can reveal offers. You can reveal the number of offers. You can reveal the number of different buyers involved, and you can actually reveal the offer amounts as long as everyone agrees. Yeah, right. That that's what the the core comes down. I to. will just add in there though, yeah. so that people do realise names aren't ever exposed. No, 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 so they can't be. So it, that's and that's where I say like, as long as you're operating within privacy legislation. Yeah, no. Yeah. Just in case there is people out there going, hold on. No, every, if you're if you're exposing all of this, how do I know that like that? If I want to put in an offer for the house across the road, yeah. I don't want them to know that I'm actually buying. No, no, 100%. 100%. And, and, you know, obviously I've done a fair bit of research in this space because I work in this space and I know who our competitors are and everything like that. And not us and not 
any of our competitors reveal who's actually making the offer. Only the agent knows who's making the offer and the seller only knows who ends up winning the property or, or you know, making the highest offer because yeah. they're, they're the ones who proceed to contract it and then, of course, all the details are on the contract and, yeah. and everyone's signing, yeah. right? So there's, there's no breach of privacy in that. When I'm talking about transparency, I am absolutely talking about um, knowing the number of buyers that are actually engaged in the sale, knowing the number of offers that have been made and potentially knowing what those offers are and whether or not you've got the highest offer. Yeah. I'm not talking about personal details in terms of who you are or anything like yeah. that. That that would be an absolute farcical nightmare. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I just, I needed to put it out there I, just no, in case. I'm, I'm some glad people... you did. I'm, I'm really glad you did. But look, with digital offers, essentially it's a case of you can make your offer online. You can scan a QR code. You can make the offer from your mobile phone just through your browser. It's done securely, password protected, encrypted, all the good fun stuff. And the, the reason I love it so much, aside from the fact that buyers and sellers can see what's happening in real time, mm-hmm. is it's removing all of those roadblocks. So the real estate agent is freed up to, to act in the best interest of the seller, which means getting as many buyers interested in the property as possible, which is their core job, yeah. right? You want more people coming to see the Absolutely. house. But then if you put multiple buyers in a situation where they all want the property, the market takes care of the business, right? Yeah. So the agent's still involved because the agent's got to manage the buyers and look after the buyers and make sure that they're all, you know, on the same page and doing the right things. And, and like the agent becomes a people manager effectively in this scenario, yeah. which is what they're great at um, for, for the most part. Like dodgy agents aren't obviously, but good agents are great at it. Yeah. Um, and... But the buyers then compete for the property and it's may the best buyer win, right? Yeah. May the best offer win, which even even in a market like what we've seen at the beginning of 2023, mm-hmm. where headlines are decrying, you know, it's, it's a bad market and, you know, the market shifted and all this sort of stuff. Meanwhile, we have had a lot of check my agents going, mm, is it though? Well, that's it. <laughs> like there's a lot of agents going, is it though? But... You know, the media's crying foul. There, there's a lot of agents too who've come and said, hey, it's, it's hard to get an offer right now. We'd take yeah. an offer on the back of a, of a postage stamp. Offers digitally, like through market buy, we've averaged 14 offers per sale from six different buyers. Yeah. Because we're removing those roadblocks and digital offers do remove those roadblocks, you're getting more interest and more actual activity on your sale. Yeah. Because it's easy. And it's, look, I, I love it because... It's the, what's the number one rule of business? Make right. it easy to do business with you. Well, that and transparency. Well, that's it. But transparency fits into making it easy. Because if you don't trust someone, it's not easy to do business with them. Yeah. Transparency leads to trust. Trust makes it easy to do business and say yes. And you then facilitate digitally. So I have a question for you then. So you yep. like, okay, so digital offer, yep. the platforms. Can you do auction through it? Mm. Can you do private yes. trading? Can you do tender? Well, put it put it this way. I'm answering yes for MarketBuy because MarketBuy can do it all. MarketBuy can do every single method of sale. It can even do the American methods of sale where you've got two professionals, a buyer's agent, a seller's agent negotiating. Like, it can do everything. Yeah. Um, EOI, obviously. Yep. It can? Yep. Right. Um, well, obviously, it would do um, digital offers because, you yeah. know, it's a digital that's offer platform. For. And that's, that's one of the great things about a digital offer platform is you don't have to lock in with one method of sale. And this is where I know you're about to jump in and ask about the next thing. So I'll let you ask and then I'll keep keep going on my soapbox. 
uh, I, I'm lost. What am I supposed to be asking? Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I just had to point it out on her, on her run sheet. Like she was Sorry. writing a note beside it. And I'm like, I'm rambling here or I'm, I'm talking into this and I'm about to jump on her toes and talk about the next thing on her run sheet. And I'm looking at it and I've, I've passed to her and she's just knocked it on. Yeah. <laughs> the ball has spilled. The ref's blowing the whistle. The other team's got the ball. So hybrid sale. Yes. Okay, so I know I I know that you so essentially let's let's break it down for people because you have you you've said a lot of words and I'm pretty sure <laughs> yes. that there is people out there who are still going digital offers. Yeah, it can do all of those things. Yeah, but I'm going to say it the way that I have actually interacted sure. with it because I have been a test dummy just to show yeah, people you've been, how you've to. Yeah, you've been awesome in translating how, what is real estate speak and what we think is natural into exactly. how users actually use it. You've been amazing. That's right. So yeah. one thing that I have to say is that when it comes to when you're a buyer or a seller, what you see on the tablet that you may be using or your desktop or your mobile phone, you know, a lot of people do use it use market buy on their phones because it's yeah. easier. Look, we, honest, we've had people more, go more and buy gro- uh, buying a house while they're doing well, grocery shopping. There's a shopping. fantastic story out there. Um, EliteAgent.com did a story for us on, on a sale back in 2019 where a, a single mum bought her new home, her family home. Sorry, she wasn't a single mum, but a mum bought her family next family home while she was doing the grocery shopping, she was in the frozen food section of her local Woolworths at the yeah. time. It and was mental. And then the upside for the agents is we've had an agent say that they actually sold a house while they were going around on a Ferris wheel. I got. I actually, there's an even better one. Yeah, that happened. Another one. Let me know, and I'll. I will not name names because the 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 agent needs to be protected from from his wife for this. But he sold a house while in the delivery room. <laughs> While yeah, his wife was giving happy. birth. Yeah, no. Right? He, um, he would not be in... He would, he would not be He would be in the doghouse. He would definitely be in the doghouse. I, I suspect it happened while she was having, uh, you know, one of those naps in between the the, the, the battle. Um, the, an, a nap? My, my, my ex-wife, mother and my children had naps during... I mean, she was in labour for 18 hours, so it kind of makes sense. Right, but okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, anyway, back to this. Back to this. So, the, the digital offers. So... Mm-hmm. I'm going to explain it for people. You literally have a uh, very simple interface where it says the property. It has a picture of the property. It has a description of the property as well, so that you brief description, uh, yeah, mainly the address and the. It's more a description of you know the sale terms. Yeah, you can identify that that's the property that you are going to be putting an offer in. Then you have, you know. Literally, each uh, person who is going to be putting in an offer mm-hmm. is given a letter. Yes. A, so B, C, a, B, C, D, through... Whatever it is. The triple Z, yep. Yeah, exactly. So, whoever wants to purchase, they have that ability. It's all there. Sometimes you will have what has actually been put on offer. Sometimes there's just... There is just buyer A has placed an has offer. Has placed an offer, yep. Yeah. So when you're looking at it, each time that you put in an offer to to the uh, seller, they get a notification. Other people who have also put in an 
offer previously get a notification to say there's been a new offer placed yep. so that they can jump in and go, all right, do I need to, am I tapping out here? Should I get in contact with the real estate agent to go, hey, like, am I still in the ballpark? So it makes it a lot easier for that real estate agent to find where uh, there's tyre kickers who oh, aren't who yeah. aren't in the ballpark yeah. who thought that they could come in and place a silly a offer. A low ball offer. Yeah. Yep. And they it, it wasn't ever going to happen. Yep. So they get taken out. Their well, offer they, they their, o- their offers get represented. Their, their offers get represented. But if they don't come up to where it needs to be. So to I'm, the reserve? No, no, because you don't need to set a reserve in this unless it's an auction. It can be a private treaty negotiation where whoever's got the best-looking offer, that seller can then go back and negotiate. It's just all happening digitally, right? And there's a greater level of transparency because we've we've all been there where we've gone to make an offer on a property and the agent's gone, yeah, I've got got good interest on this. Um, You know, I've I've got a couple of other offers, so you're going to have to make sure yours is a good one. Yeah. Right, And, and we all sit there and go... Yeah, do Have you, you really though? Uh, like <laughs> you say that really? there's been a lot of offers, but have you? Exactly. And, and this is where the transparency comes in because it is them. it is literally and it's all, there. It's all IP track, like it's all auditable and tracked and that. So if if there's more, if you're logging on to MarketBuy and you're a buyer and you're going to go make an offer and you see that there's buyer A, B, and C and they've made offers, you can you can be confident that those are genuine. Offers that someone has actually made. No, it's not BS that's being created because it's all audited. Yeah. Right. Like we track the IP address of the user. We track because if if um like for for example, if Fair Trading turns around, so Office of Fair Trading is generally the the state um body body that that looks after real estate. Mm-hmm. If they turn around and go, we suspect something dodgy on that sale. We need to be able to hand over an entire report of that sale, completely auditable, that shows unique individual buyers and, and that it was all legit and everything. Like, to the point that, then let's let's talk about an example where, uh, let's say you've got a buyer who's like, I'm not going to use an online offer platform, mm-hmm. right? I don't want to use it. Don't trust it, whatever. And, and, you know, look, we've got people in, in this oh. country who, who... Live out in the sticks uh, and don't have internet, for uh, example. Well, everyone's right? entitled to everyone's not using entitled a to, computer. E- exactly. So they'll put an offer in with the agent, and the agent will then put that offer on market buy, but it'll show up with an asterisk to say this was an offer that was entered by the agent. So you even know yeah. if the agent has entered an offer on behalf of another buyer with the, based on the instructions of that other buyer. Yeah. Right? So there's complete transparency. You know exactly where you stand. Now, it's, it makes dealing in real estate far less stressful because this is, this is one of the largest transactions that the average person is ever going to make. Yeah. It's hugely stressful. There's a lot of anxiety around it. And then, you know, you've got this, this adversarial relationship as a buyer because you're typically, I don't even know what the numbers are, but I'm willing to bet it's like 99% of buyers are unrepresented in a real estate transaction. Yeah. Right, and and there's a great discussion we can have on the Australian system versus the the US system mm-hmm. on another day, but buyers are unrepresented, and the real estate agent legally, legally is obligated to act in the best interests of the seller. They do have a legal duty of disclosure. They do have a, fid- but they've also got a fid- fiduciary responsibility and obligation 
under legislation to the seller. So the buyer-real estate relationship is adversarial, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're effectively against each other at opposite ends because the agent's got to get the best possible outcome for their seller. The buyer's got to get the best possible outcome for them. Yeah. Right? So it's an adversarial relationship. And so this allows that relationship to happen with far less friction, mm-hmm. far greater transparency. And if the real estate's good enough, the real estate agent's good enough, They'll get multiple buyers in, so the buyers are fighting against each other rather than fighting against them. Which then comes to the old adage that your property is only worth what someone is willing to pay. And I love that adage because it is 100% correct. Of all of the comments that we see on social media on check my house price and everything like that, the comment of your house is only worth what someone's willing to pay for it is the the one that is the most true and accurate out of all Mm -hmm. and is incredible. And it, that's 100% correct. But if you can get multiple people, and this is, by the way, buyers listening into this, you might be going, that's horrible because that'll drive prices. Yeah, it will drive prices up, right? But, but that just goes to show that it's not actually real estate agents that are It's not, it's that not are agents that are driving the prices up because a real estate agent could put three buyers in the room, but if one buyer's got a limit of 400000 one's got a limit of 600000 one's got a limit of 800000 who's going to win? Well, yeah. Like the the buyer at eight hundred thousand is going to get the property for six hundred one, yeah, right. Because the six hundred, like, so they're not going to be up driving the prices up. Real estate agents bring buyers together, they bring the market together, and a good real estate agent will, in fact, get more eyes on the property and get more market activity on the property, and the market activity will determine the price. Because let's face it, the person who is selling, they want that ultimate dollar. Well, that's. That's exactly So it. if you've got a real estate agent who's doing their job and they get you the best offer mm-hmm. ever mm-hmm. to sell your property, yep. you're going to have a seller going, oh, this is ridiculous, and like they're bit. driving up. But it's not the fact that they're driving, the real estate agent is driving it up. It's the fact that the seller is actually going, get me more, get me more, get me well, it's, more. It's not even that. Or it's, even, come on, you can do better, get them to do better than this. It's, look... You said that it was worth this. I, I don't think Can it's you that get black closer? and white. Like I, it's not that black and white. I think that um, real estate agents have a fiduciary responsibility to get the best possible result for the seller, right? So they have a legal obligation to get the best possible result. The way they get the best possible result is to put as many capable of purchasing buyers in the room as possible or in into the discussion as possible mm-hmm. so that they can compete for the property. Yeah. And then they let the competition to set the price. They let the market set the price. Yeah. Right? That A good real estate agent will get you as many buyers as is possible on your property and then let them compete. Yeah. Um, the days of, of real estate agents being a master negotiator and things like that are, are not over, but that, that master negotiator tag is more about being a master people manager. Yeah. Right, and being a buyer manager. Well, also knowing the people that you want to come through. Like if you build up a relationship with people who are looking to buy and, you know, you have a property that comes on and there's a perfect fit for five people, you want to be able to go, look, I've got five people ready to go. Um, I can have them through the house by the end of the week. At the end of the day, good agents get good results because good agents are good agents. Yeah, that's right. Right. Exactly. Um, So coming... We have have tangented there. We have, but I'm going to bring it back to the methods. So the last one, hybrid sale. Yes, so hybrid sale. WTF. Hybrid sale is is something that's come about as a result. I want to say as a result of digital offers, but that's not entirely true. 
it it's more prevalent because of digital offer platforms because mm-hmm. a hybrid sale can incorporate multiple facets from multiple different types. For example, you can have a private treaty sale that has a ticking timer on it, right? So right. it's it's an it looks like an auction, but you can have conditions on it. Therefore, it's not an auction because an auction is an unconditional sale. Yes, right. So right. you can hybridize that, but then you can get really really funky because you've got digital platforms and you can start it off as an auction, move it into a private treaty, and then you can mess around with the levels of transparency, assuming that everyone's in agreement. Of course, look, and and this is the thing. We're talking hypotheticals here. Best practices are, and and in some cases, legislation states that a lot of what we're talking about, you cannot do without the permission of all involved. Well, it makes it transparent, but also fair. Everyone involved. Absolutely. So with a hybrid sale, typically hybrid sales are happening on digital offer platforms. And they're, they're incorporating multiple different facets from different sale types. Um, but technically speaking, a failed auction becomes a hybrid sale because if, if the property is passed in at auction, it then goes down to conditional negotiation, which is effectively a private treaty negotiation. Yeah. So it's a concept that we've had in Australian real estate since pretty much the beginning. Yeah. Um, however, digital platforms have taken it to a new level because they can, on the fly, modify just about every single aspect. They can go from not having timers involved to adding timers. They can change the transparency levels on the fly with a click of a button and things like that. Yeah. Obviously, with everybody's permission. Yeah, exactly. Well, so I hope people got... That was that was a long real estate section. That was, but yeah. I feel that, you know, explaining all of those differences with them, it, it was needed. And I apologise. I got on my soapbox about digital offers. Clearly, I'm very, very passionate about it. Um, and and it's something that's that's dear Look, to my heart if because there's, if there's, there's nothing any... worse than than being told that there's plenty of offers on the property and there's no way to verify that, mm. you know. And plus the fact that if there's anyone out there that's wanting to know a little bit more about each, we can definitely, you know, yeah. let you know. We can even put up some um, some test sales, I suppose, through Market Buy so that you can see a set, just a practice run yeah, so we, to I speak mean, look, so that I, people I think... can see how it actually works as opposed to you know just being told about it just yeah. so that you know if you've got any questions about that you can definitely send them in look, we'll I, be happy I think, to cover um, it. I think what we can do we can probably record a video demonstrating how it works and and that brings me on to something too before we jump into the JTM segment we are going to have video for this podcast I realized like some of the feedback on the last podcast was JH, it's great to learn how to make jerky at home, but we didn't see anything and just listening to you describe it kind of doesn't get the whole of and and I appreciate that. We do have full intent of going video with this podcast. Um, I've just got about 13 more surgeries before I'm actually camera ready. Um, oh, stop it. <laughs> but no, look, we, we will. We're just setting up all, you know, setting up the, the video studio. It's, it's easier to set up an audio studio than it is a video studio and video set. So we're, we're setting all that up. There will be video coming. But I think it's time for a JTM. I think it's time for a JTM as well. Let's see which rabbit holes we're going down in this episode. It's time for a JTM. It's J-Thought Moment. It might be drinking whiskey, board, work, smoking beer. Podcast, the story, writing, treasure hunting, you name it. What's really quite my gear, singing, playing TV shows. As you can see, nothing's off limit. It's JTM. J-Thought Moment. JTM. What will be? JTM. 
for this week's G-Thought moment. <laughs> My turn to put it on you. This isn't, uh, we, we've kind of been misleading, I think, because JTM, it, it means J-Thought moment which is, is the affectionate nickname that my family have for me as Jay. And, and it's the affectionate term that Sian coined for my random moments where I step out the shower or midway through a conversation about something completely unrelated. I go, hey, you know what would be cool? I want to do X. Or I, can, I, you know. I can tell you right now that there has been numerous times where we could have been having a serious conversation about businesses or kids or whatever and he will turn around from his computer and be like you know what we haven't done in a while we we haven't actually gone and seen the truffle farm out at Stanthorpe and it's like good to know you're listening I, I am listening. In J- fairness, in, I am Was that I a JTM? <laughs> I am listening. It's just something that's been said has triggered a thought or, you know, I've been in the shower and been in, in deep, in-depth in thought and I've come up with it. But this, this one's an STM. This is you. So you did this to me about 18 months ago. And, and my, by the way, for everyone listening... Look, you jumped on board. <laughs> hey, I'm always going to jump on any random thought moment that sounds like fun, right? This is how I live my life. You can call me a bow bird. I'm shiny object orientated. I'm squirrel manifested. Let's do this. But this one was was you. And you did it to me about 18 months ago. And you turned around mid-conversation and you went, we don't do enough dinner parties. And I'm we, like, at that stage, we weren't doing we, any. We didn't do any. <laughs> and, and I looked at you and I went, that's great, but that doesn't help with whatever it was that I was talking about. It was probably something to do with the kids or something like that. And maybe that's what triggered you as you went, man, there's having to be a no, parent we all the time. we were talking about the winery. Oh, we are talking about the winery. Right, so we had a winery client. Well, we still have a winery client that we were working with and, and we were trying to figure out... Content, that's what content. we were doing. And you went, we don't do enough to... So, all right, so it's not quite and as also, random as a JTM, I, but I it's close enough. I also can say that my cousin, Danielle had also done a dinner party and it came up in my Facebook feed and you were talking about content and I saw that and I was like, hey. All right. So so it is thing. like the, the, the cool thing about JTMs is they're always logically linked. It's just the, the jumps and the leaps and the hops you make to get to it. Everyone else doesn't see. They just see the blurted out, we should do more dinner parties or I want to learn how to make jerky or you know what would be cool? If I jammed a whole lot of LEDs into some sort of resin woodwork thing and we turn it into a table, I haven't yet done that. We're going to do that one at some point. Just stay tuned for that. He says that, but I don't know. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Mark my words. But I'm putting this one back on you. Okay. So my like- theory is everyone has JTMs. It's just because I'm Aspie and because you guys all go, oh, you've had a JTM and all that, it's really highlighted when I do it. But everyone else in the world does it. And, and, and if they don't, they should because it's a hell of a lot of fun. But you turned around and went, we should do more dinner parties. Yes. And that has led to three incredible dinner parties so far. I thought we've done more than that. I think we've done... Th- oh, no, we did four because we did Thanksgiving as well. That's right. Right. And so these have been incredibly exquisitely catered. They've been beautifully... The, the wine pairings have been magic because we ring up our friend Matt from Matt Wank, who's the winemaker at Smidge Wines, and go, hey, Matt, what do we need to pair with with these dishes? And you've Look, done the these. the first one that we did for the content for them, the very first one that, that we did, amazing. he was very excited because I said that I was going to be using 
uh, lemon zest in yes. the Osabuco, and yes. that's where he went. Hold on, wait, wait, a, real Oz- wait a minute. Yeah. So the question I have for you, because you and I are both millennials, I'm the oldest millennial, and and you're definitely younger than me. So <laughs> you know you get to be more of a millennial than than I do. I'm I'm the the grandpa millennial. But this is something that's been a hell of a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. We've genuinely felt like we're actually adulting. Yes. Right. And everyone's had a, a ball, and we've done it on the smell of an oily rag in terms of mm, cost, yeah. for the most part. I mean, food the food's been the most expensive part, obviously, because, you know, it, we've, we've had 14, That's what you like people. to think, no, you're joking. No. <laughs> I'm, I've been monitoring, and anyway. So, how, how do you start? You, you come to me and go, we should do a dinner party that is X theme. Yes. Right? So, you've already thought that out. I know for a fact you've already started looking at centerpieces. Well, no, I haven't thought it out. I I'm just like this would be really cool. Okay. And you so know this, this we've is a got real, this is this is a Sian thought moment. This is it's more of for example like um, our friends down at Carbrook, so mm-hmm. Seville Seafood. Seville Seafood. So, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Isaac. <laughs> um, you know we needed to get stuff done for him. Yep. And to showcase to people and be like, look at this awesome seafood. Uh, so, awesome seafood yeah. Party. So that was Hamptons themed. Yep. So you've come up with a theme and then I've chauffeured, like, I know you drive, but I, when, when you and I are in the same car, I, I like to drive and I understand that, you know, I might cop flack for that, but I really do. But I, I'm not a good passenger. But anyway, so I've driven you all over Brisbane to pick up all sorts of bits and pieces. You've gone and found all of these bits and pieces. We've literally... I found and I borrowed. And you found and borrowed. So I had turned into a bowel bird. <laughs> so you've turned into a bowel So, like, I think in the end, everything that we put on the tables to, to dress up the place and, and everything, and, uh, like, I'm, in, I'm talking glasses, plates, everything, right? Mm, the first time round... I'm, I'm talking the Hamptons one because you'd, you'd kind of mastered ha- your... The Hamptons one was a bit more of the exier one because I went and bought the um, dinner plates. Right. Okay. So that was a little bit more pricey. So how much did that one end up costing us? I think including the hire of the tables and the chairs um, and centrepieces and I, actually that's taking food into consideration. Don't take food into consideration because that's, so that's, it that's probably subjective. it probably would have been around your 300 mark. Okay. Purely so because I like I got three different um, four piece four piece? Yeah, four piece dinner sets. So hang on, hang on, hang so on. So that was hang, <laughs> hang on. Hang Surprise! on. Hold the phone. <laughs> so if we were if I was to walk into Maya no, right. it wasn't Maya. Well, actually, right. no, no. We weren't, we're not going to walk into Maya because Maya's just about dead. No, but let's no. say if I was to walk into even even Robin's Kitchen and I was to buy one dinner set, that's going to cost me 300 bucks or close to. No. I'm clearly not shopping at the right times. All right, tell me how you do it. How, do, how <laughs> is it – how do you do it where you've made – because we had 15 people. Yes. At that dinner party. Yes. And you had plates for all. In fact, it wasn't just one plate. No. You had like three plates for all of them. Yeah, I mixed and matched. Plus we had shells and, and crabs and and these beautiful lamp, like like these um, old style kind of 
uh, wooden lanterns, wooden lantern type deals with blown glass in with the blown glass, etc. And all of that costs just under three hundred. Yes. How did you do that? I okay. So first thing that you know about me is when I decide that I like something, I go and research it. So I go onto Pinterest. I go and have a look as to things that are trending and not just on Instagram and that. Like, I mean, jumping on and going, you know what? Like, what sort of what sort of thing do I associate with seafood? Yep. Right? What sort of things are actually, look like, in style at the moment? So, Hamptons is huge at the moment because Hamptons can be your classic kind of theme where you put a couple of peonies, which are flowers, <laughs> um, with them and My you can make it... side to side <laughs> like that monkey meme right now. Um, where you can make it look like a high tea kind of deal. Right. Or you can do like actual seashells and crabs and coral and all of that. So, so it what looks... Was- Beachy. What was what was the most expensive facet? Because like I'm, I'm it sitting here and I'm the thinking di- it would have been the dinner plate. Because that's that's what I'm thinking. Because in my head I'm going, anyone listening to this is probably going, that's great. You did it for under three hundred for fifteen people. That's amazing. But we don't have that kind of money to buy paraphernalia for a dinner party. The, so okay, so the stuff that I do, I make sure that a I want it. Yeah. Because otherwise you can just go to Vinnie's or whatever. And just scavenge and hug. Yeah, because I and I remember sitting there because you know I I was being a little bit the Grinch during this process, going we're never going to use this stuff again, and you're going no we will because I really like this stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's but also have a look at what you already have. So if you if you're having a dinner party and you want to use white plates and you've yep. already got white plates, just use the plates Obviously. you've already yeah, got. Yeah, of course, of like, course. Don't, and then even have a look around as to even your friends, if you can go, you know, if there's a tablecloth that they use that you like, just ask if you can borrow them. Yeah. Like yeah. you're going to give it back, right? Or if there's, you know, even glassware that they've got and you say, look, having a dinner party, love for you to come along, would I be able to borrow those glasses that you have? Yeah. Right? So, obviously, you know, if you can see that it's in their good stuff, that they've got perched away somewhere, <laughs> where it's like Nana's sitting room, where everyone, there is a couch there, but no one's allowed to sit on it. And still these, in the shrink and these, from the shop. <laughs> yeah, these glasses are in a, a special part of the house where no one goes, no one looks. Like, obviously, you're not going to be like, do you mind? Because they're probably going to go, uh, No way in no. hell. Yeah. Um, but... You know, ask friends, go to Vinnie's and have a look because you never know what you can snag there. Like I ended up getting some shells. There was a jar of shells that I picked up for $2. So they were scattered all over um, Kmart. Oh, Kmart's amazing. Those uh, copper lighting. The little LED and you fill them in the blowing glass lanterns. I and have that's them what all them through. Yep. Every single time that we've had a dinner party, I've got them throughout the decoration brilliantly yeah yeah so it's more about having a look as to what you can borrow cheap so go and do your research because i got those dinner um sets uh for on special yeah i think the most that i paid was 85 dollars. okay so all right that's that's awesome how do you set your menu 
because and and I know like you set the menu for the first one. I had a little bit of say in the menu for the seafood one, mainly because I've I've been the the one who was primarily creating content for Savills yeah. and and learning to cook that stuff. So things like the whiskey bacon scallops entree, the the clam chowder, things like that, the the koji aged um, ribeye, yeah, like you know. Those were all things that I'd learned to cook for other reasons, and so we then combine them. But for example, if we look at the dinner party that we did um, with that were with the smidge wines and and the osabuco and that, you chose that entire menu with the exception of the dessert, if I remember correctly. Uh, I'm pretty sure that even that dessert, I was mucking around when I was talking to Matt while we were visiting one time, and I'm like. Ooh, this tastes nice. How about you put it on ice well, it cream? Was, and he was like, "Well, funny thing." Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Uh, the vintner's uh, breakfast. Yeah, so that's the reason why I was like, you know what? That's potentially potentially something that could be. I tell you on what. A- so just for the for those um, who who aren't familiar and haven't seen the various stuff on our socials that we've done, it's Smidge Rutherglen, Grand Rutherglen Musket or Rutherglen Grand Musket. I'm going to get shot for for not having that name correct, but if you pour a little bit of that over Golden North Vanilla Ice Cream. It's essentially like having a, like a, an almost alcoholic maple syrup over ice cream. It's yeah. incredible. That's it's, that's the best way to yeah. describe it. It is really, really yummy. So if you like maple syrup and you like to have – look, you can just call it like, you know, mummy's special ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> but at some, at some point we will get Matt from Smidge on the podcast to have a chat about pairing food and wines. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so to go back to how. How, how you pick your menu. So, because we were doing uh, the smidge wines, mm-hmm. and they, if you really want a good red, like smidge is the one to go to. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So that's the reason why I was like, okay, when I think of, and I know that Matt's Italian, so that's the reason why I was like, let's let's incorporate the winemaker in uh, in this a bit. What were the wines we had? So we, we ended up with, I think we had Fiano on... on no, uh, we didn't have any Fiano. Did we, we had a white, I thought. Nope. So we, we went with the Grenache Carignan then, and the Montepulciano and the Shiraz. Yeah, and then we finished with the ice cream. And we finished with the ice cream. Oh, for some reason, I thought we had the Fiano on entry. All no, right. no, we didn't have it. See, this is this is why I keep her around, right? So, my memory's terrible. So for the the entree, we had cheese board mm-hmm. with a whole heap of different cheeses, mm-hmm. and so we were, you know, drinking the wine and doing the cheeses, and then we had the osabuco. And, and of course, we paired the wine with the cheeses quite specifically. Like we paired the um, the Smidge Houdini Grenache Carignan with the. It's a Wellensley Dale cranberry cheddar. That like was a happy cranberry. accident, that one. Uh, that, we discovered that by accident. So that, <laughs> yeah. that was the one that we didn't need Matt to give us a good no, pairing for. But we were like, we discovered oh, it on our own. But that, that dingoes was, by crikey. That, that was quite uh, quite delectable. It was. Yep. And then, so the Osabuco, I hadn't ever cooked it for you, and that's mm. the reason why I was like, you've got to try it. And then... It was incredible. I'd never had traditional Osabuco. No. Until yeah. until I came along, yeah. Um, There's a lot of things that haven't happened. Until <laughs> you came and then we finished with the ice cream, and then for the um, the seafood one, it was very much. Is that the Fiano? We did the Fiano did with the, the seafood. Yep. With the seafood, yep. and then we had. I feel like we're missing one. I did Thanksgiving. 
Maybe we've only done three. I thought we've done more than that. All I know is that I'm cooking frantically and there's plenty of wine going so my we way did, at the same time. We did Thanksgiving and I know that there's going to be a lot of people out there going, it's Australia, why are you doing Thanksgiving? My grandfather was from Michigan. So I am going back to my heritage and just being like, you know what? This is a part of me and this is who I am. And there's a lot of people that are like, but you're not American. Well, I kind of sort of am. Look, I can I can end that like I can end that argument in a heartbeat. Um, I'm Australian, and I do not need much of an excuse for a party where we eat good food and drink good booze. That's that's it. That's all I need. I do not care if it's Halloween, Thanksgiving, Samhain. Look. If, if you can give me a Zulu holiday that meets eat good food and drink good alcohol, I am going to be there. I would love to do an African, like, curry um, one. Like, okay, so my There's friend... There's a JTM or an STM <laughs> happening right now in this exact moment. You are witnessing an STM <laughs> happening live. No, it's because I, I worked with um, some, like, some people who had come from, I was going to say guys, worked with some people who um, have come from yep. Africa. I think it was mainly North Africa, but I'm pretty S- sure. Was it Senegal? No. I thought, I've, for um, some reason I've Senegal in my So, head. and they used to bring, because they knew that I liked chilli, so they used to bring in things for me to try and I would be like, do you mind bringing me right. in some food? So, <laughs> I've just seen how long we've gone, we've had... A massive segment on real estate, and that was yep. always going to be a big one. We've had a massive segment and a bit of banter on on dinner parties. So what I'm going to ask you to do, because we need to wrap this up, what are your three tips for anybody wanting to do a dinner party for their friends to make sure that they, A, it's successful, B, it's delicious, C, it doesn't break the bank, and D, they don't lose their mind stressing out about it? Yep. So first of all, pick a theme. Second, do your research. So have a look at Pinterest, get a, once you've got that theme, have a look as to what you, how you want the tables to look or as close as what you can to get that theme, right? Within your budget. Yep. So then once you've got theme, once you've done your research to figure out how you're going to put it all together, from there, then pick your menu, and pick your it's menu a, it's within a little, your budget. Yeah, too. it's like, a little bit hard to do menu and then do the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I think on that, if you pick your menu within your budget, you can make the menu seem a million dollar menu, even though it's costing you, you know, it, it's costing you nothing by your theme and everything like that as well. Like, learn to cook it, learn how to 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 really do the cheap meals well, mm. and. No one's going to be sitting there going, "I've just I've got a full belly, but it was cheap, but it was a like it was a slow cooker, it was something like that." No, one, there is a lot of parents out there that don't care that it's no, cheap or anything because no. they're just like, you know what? There's I've someone got adult else. company. Well, adult company. I'm eating hot food. There's no kids around, and on top of that, I don't have to clean up. Exactly. So <laughs> people, and, and and it's going to be the atmosphere, and and like the theme is going to help with the atmosphere, and people are going to be bantering and going back and forth, and the company. Is so if you're stressing, going, oh, I can't cook particularly well. Look, master three dishes, right, and and cook them ag- again, again, again until you can pump them out. 
and and make them cheap decisions. They don't have to be extravagant. They don't have to be expensive and things like that. Start with a small amount of people and then get and, bigger. And don't get go bigger. out and do yep. 15 people straight up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we started with like eight or nine. Yeah. Um, and that was still huge and that was a nightmare and it took – like I, I was cooking for about four hours straight that night. So, but yeah, enjoy. If you've got any questions, hit us up. Um, just – you know, send a message to the Check My House Price page because right now, like, Home Life Podcast doesn't have its own Facebook page. It's coming through the Check My House Price page. Send a message to the page and say, hey, I've got a question for Sian about dinner parties and fire off your question. And I'll look, be happy to help out where absolutely. I can. Look, we all, we all should have more dinner parties because life's too short for uh, bad company, bad food, and bad wine. 